Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton Thompson. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported more than 3,000 women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. Together, we'll break your past patterns and eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. For those of you who love the science, who love to go there, who love to, as we say, geek out on that stuff, we are doing that today. And I'll tell you why. Several months back, when I found out I was pregnant with twins, I felt a little confused about what I could establish as a health or fitness goal during that time because I like to pay attention to monitor whether it's, you know, how my clothes feel in my jeans or it's my body weight. It's normally not that. Or it's my performance in the gym, my weightlifting progress there, noticing that I'm getting stronger. I just think it's a really powerful way to make sure that we're not drifting or checking out, losing ground. But not only with a twin pregnancy, but my third in three years, my third pregnancy in three years, it made it a little challenging to have a health metric that I could really grasp onto because workout performance, nope, that generally goes down for me during my pregnancies. I know that's not everybody's experiences. And weight goes up especially with twins, but I really wanted to have a health metric I could pay attention to. And I did some research, talked to a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of experts, and found a metric that I I have paid attention to before, but never specifically monitored with the intent of improving just that. And I can tell you that not only Has it been so helpful in my pregnancy, but it's something that I will absolutely continue to monitor afterwards because it's not just a marker of fitness, but of overall health. And what I'm talking about is commonly known as HRV, HRV, which stands for heart rate variability heart rate variability. So we're not talking about resting heart rate here. We're talking about heart rate variability. And that is a measurement of the the variance in time between the beats of your heart. So if if your heart rate is 60 beats per minute, it's not beating once a second. There might be 
times where there's 0.9 seconds between beats or times when there's point, you know, 1.2 seconds between beats. And what we want as an indication of health and fitness is higher heart rate variability. So higher is better, lower is a sign that maybe you are overtired or you've overexerted yourself or you're coming down with something or just a lower level of overall fitness. So this space between the beats of your heart, these these are called RR intervals, RR intervals. And they're measured in milliseconds. So obviously it's a, a very small interval of time, but essentially the greater the variability the more ready your body is to perform and to perform optimally. It is obviously related to heart rate, but this variability actually comes from your nervous system. You might need a primer on the nervous system. We'll do that in a second for those that are like, okay, I've heard of that, but don't know exactly what it means. And this is why it's an indicator of not just your cardiovascular fitness, your physical fitness, but also your overall health. Let's talk for a second and just give ourselves a little seventh grade refresher on the autonomic nervous system. There are two sub-branches that do very different things. And our heart rate variability is a reflection of kind of what's going on here. So these two branches are the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. I'm literally flashing back to science tests right now in in middle school and high school. So heart rate variability is influenced by, controlled by the autonomic nervous system. And within that, we're looking at the role of the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. A quick and easy way to remember what these branches do. Sympathetic is activating. Parasympathetic is deactivating. So if you've ever heard like rest and digest or fight and flight, that's kind of what we're talking about here. When we look at the activation of the sympathetic branch of the nervous system. That's the activating one. So that is our response to stressors. And that could be good stressors like exercise, walking up and down your stairs. It can also be stress, physical stress from being sick or recovering from something or injury, trauma, disease, that is the the activating part. So if we work out, if we get in a fight with our partner, our sympathetic nervous system is creating an increase in heart rate in response to that. When we look at heart rate variability, what it's measuring is, are these two fair and balanced, a parasympathetic activating and the, or I'm sorry, the parasympathetic deactivating and the sympathetic activating, is one kind of more dominant or are they playing well together? Are they balanced? Are they both in the game? So the parasympathetic 
is digestion, slow down, rest, and that, of course, causes a decrease in heart rate. And to be optimally healthy, we want to make sure that we're getting messages from both the activating and the deactivating components of our nervous system. Because our heart, the muscle we need to live, is getting mixed messages, commands to increase heart rate when we carry a load of laundry up the stairs or we get a workout in or we get in a fight with our partner or we are overcoming an illness. But it's also getting messages to slow down. And we want to be sure for optimal health that there is this back and forth, this constant fluctuation, slow down, speed up. This is a healthy thing. I know when I was first reading about it, it's easy to think that that back and forth could be a bad thing, but it's not because what it means is both of these branches are involved in regulating the rhythm of your heart and your heart is responding to both inputs. When you have a high heart rate variability. That's the good thing. We want the heart rate variability higher. It's indicative that yes, your body is getting messages from and responding appropriately to the activating messages and the deactivating messages. I love this measurement because it's something that's always there. It's something we can always pay attention to. And It's something that we can always work to improve because whether you're 90 or you're 30, you can improve your body's responsiveness and balance to these two things. So when we have a high heart rate variability, that's the goal, that's good, it's essentially telling us that your your nervous system is balanced. And there's not one that's, that's overtaking. If you have a low heart rate variability, One branch, usually the activating, sympathetic, is a little bit dominant and sending stronger signals to your heart than the parasympathetic deactivating. I'm sure you're starting to see here and put the pieces together that if you're somebody who has very high anxiety, then heart rate variability can be a good way to monitor are you improving Your responsiveness to anxiety are the techniques that you have in place, whether it's time in nature or meditation or medication. Is that helping? Because if you're constantly being triggered in that activating state, that's going to become dominant and your heart isn't getting the messages as much from the deactivating side of things. So your nervous system is not balanced. There are times when you want the activating system to to be more dominant, right? If you are running from a threat or even if you're just running a marathon, that is an activating dominant kind of activity. But those things should not last forever. And I think we all know somebody or maybe are somebody who's just always in that activated state and has a, you have a hard time slowing down relaxing, 
it's not just a matter of your mental health and how you feel. It's also a reflection of whether or not your nervous system is balanced. And that is absolutely key. That is absolutely key. If you are somebody who has a low heart rate variability, It could be a reflection of your physical fitness, but maybe your heart rate variability has always looked pretty good and all of a sudden you're experiencing a dip. Well, maybe you are getting sick. Maybe you are not sleeping well. Perhaps you're dehydrated or you've been eating like crap. It's been fun to monitor this and I just notoriously don't sleep very well when I'm pregnant and I can see the link between being up more in the night, maybe it's a night when Roman was up or I was up for other reasons, I can see the link between that and a lower heart rate variability. Or on the flip side, if I get a particularly great night of sleep, I see that reflected in my heart rate variability the next day, which is a really great thing. If I go too hard in a workout, sometimes it's tough to know, do I need to recover? Do I continue to push? Now, a lot of people aren't in that camp where that's even a factor, but certainly some athletes are. Your heart rate variability is a really great way to to pay attention to those kinds of things. Here's the thing. It's not Heart rate variability is not something you watch throughout the day, like, huh, during my workout, it was this, and when I was laying on the couch with Roman, it was this. You're looking at the trend over time, because in a given day, it is going to to fluctuate significantly. It, it changes while you're sleeping based on your breathing patterns, and so, and this is this is not an ad, I'm not affiliated with this company in any way, but... I wear a WHOOP, W-H-O-O-P. That is one of, of many ways to track your heart rate variability, but it's a, it's a fitness wearable that is attached to an app on your phone. And it's not reading out heart rate variability throughout the day the way that it can read out heart rate throughout the day. You know, I could open it up right now and tell you that my heart rate doing this podcast is probably, I don't know, maybe 90 beats per minute because I'm, I'm much more engaged than I was before I started recording when I was sitting on the couch with Roman and he was having a bottle. You don't monitor your heart rate variability moment by moment throughout the day the way that you might look at resting heart rate. But what WHOOP in particular does is that it's running a formula during your sleep to give you an average of that variability throughout the last day, right? And then the other cool thing that Whoop does with it, and again, no affiliation, don't care if you get a Whoop or not, is that it gives you a number of your performance readiness for the next day. It's essentially like a recovery score. So if you're you're doing really well, your heart rate variability looks good, higher, then you're more equipped to, say, work out harder, push yourself a little bit more that following day. But I think this is a really valuable tool even for people who aren't working out regularly or aren't looking for greater performance in the gym, but just want improved health. I really feel strongly about that. All right. Of course, I want to talk about what you can do to increase your heart rate variability. But first, I want to 
generally say that younger people tend to have a higher heart rate variability. And as you get older, it tends to go down. But you still can monitor your own trend, right? So if you are, I mean, we're all aging, right? Just because it tends to go down as you get older does not mean that everybody's trend is going to tend to go down. I'm looking at my trend, say, over you know a period of pregnancy. I would love for my heart rate variability to improve. I set a goal for what I wanted that to be at the end of my pregnancy based on consistently eating well, based on trying my best to prioritize sleep, and based on my workouts. Males tend to have higher heart rate variability than females. No big deal there because as a male, you can still monitor to see your trend improve over time. And same thing as a female. And of course, your athletic level matters here. Athletes tend to have higher heart rate variability than the non-athletes. But overall, what we're saying is that higher heart rate variability means a, a more predictive sign of fitness and overall health. It was probably six months ago or so that this guy I follow on Instagram, I would consider him already a fairly fit person, but he took on a challenge to eat cleaner and work out more regularly for, I think it was 90 days. And he didn't post a whole lot about it except maybe some meal prep here and there and some workouts here and there. But what was fascinating was at the end of the 90 days, he shared the data on his heart rate variability. And day to day, the changes were small. And there were certainly some days that were up and some days that were down. But over 90 days, you could see that his average heart rate variability went up like 7 to 10 points, which is incredible in 90 days. And that's what kind of sparked me to focus on this, especially during pregnancy when there's lots of other things that I can't focus on. But the more that I see the way that things like sleep or workout intensity or stress or illness impact it, I'm really pumped to keep paying attention to it after pregnancies, outside of pregnancies. So some things that impact your heart rate variability on the day-to-day. Let's look first at lifestyle. So nutrition, for sure. If you have a day where you eat particularly crappy, you're going to notice that your heart rate variability is going to go down. I've seen it firsthand. On the flip side of that, if over time you are really committed to improving your diet and eating cleaner and eating better, you're going to see your heart rate variability trend upwards. Alcohol. Alcohol lowers the variance of your heartbeats. It's super telling, right? I mean, if something like alcohol can influence something that's closely related to your heart performance, I don't know. It's a good it's a good thing to pay attention to, especially if you're somebody who really loves to have your cocktails. We mentioned sleep. Sleep definitely does. Stress certainly does too. Uh, we mentioned age and gender getting sick, recovering from an illness, and then any kind of uh, fluctuation in your training volume and training intensity in the short term, it's a stressor, right? So it can ding your heart rate variability. But over the long term, if it's improving your fitness because you're recovering well enough and you're taking that seriously, you're going to see the increase over time. But what really matters here is 
how can I increase my heart rate variability? If you're somebody who wants to start paying attention to this, what are some things? Some easy, simple things like low-hanging fruit. No joke. These are all research-supported. I didn't make any of them up. They're not anecdotal. They're all data-driven. Gratitude journaling. It's a real impact. Not only does gratitude journal journaling increase your heart rate variability, it also has been shown to lower blood pressure. And one of the reasons that it has such an effect is because it lowers your stress hormones overall. Guys, it takes like three minutes a day. So that's an easy one. Mindfulness meditation. Slowing down a little bit. This is one that I absolutely work to incorporate daily in pregnancy, even if it's just meditating for four or five minutes before I fall asleep at night. Sometimes I do it when I'm in the shower. Not surprisingly here, we're just getting that that parasympathetic system to get in the game a little bit more. And the same is true aside from meditation, just intentional breathing, slow and controlled. It combats stress, and stress is one of the things that lowers heart rate variability. So as we lower stress, we can increase heart rate variability. So those three are super easy. Gratitude journaling, meditation, intentional breathing. Another really easy one, natural light exposure. When you wake up in the morning, as soon as the sun is out, go spend a few minutes standing out there exposing your face, your your arms, your neck to the sun. Natural light exposure helps to increase heart rate variability. So you can see, even if you're like, oh gosh, getting to the gym, not my favorite thing in the world. There are so many things you can do and they improve your health and they're really simple. Yeah, there are things that might be tougher for you. Maybe nutrition is tougher for you. Let's make sure you're doing these other things that can move the needle. Um, Hydration. Oh my goodness, this is huge. Drink a ton of water. I not only because this is important in pregnancy, but because I've been working on my heart rate variability, I got a 40-ounce cup. And first thing in the morning, I fill it up. I personally put um, edge in it. It's like a drink mix that doesn't have any caffeine or sugar or calories or artificial ingredients and all that kind of stuff. And it flavors my water, so it makes it easier for me to drink down. And I do three or four of those a day. I get up around eh, five-ish. So I can have my first one done pretty easily by by seven. And I'm always trying to get done with my water as early as possible so that I'm not up a million times in the night to sleep, which happens anyway during pregnancy. But hydration is another really easy way. Be consistent every day. It's going to have a positive effect on your heart rate variability. Um, we talked about alcohol. Drink less. Don't drink. Makes a big difference. And again, I want to make sure we know and we reiterate that this is not just a fitness thing. This is an overall health thing. So don't drink. Drink less. Drink less often. Don't drink at all. Ditch it all together. Sleep. Not only quantity, but probably more important, quality. So things we've talked about before on the show. Make sure your room is blacked out. Don't have the TV on when you're in there. Timing matters. So getting to bed before midnight is really important. We get the deepest amount of sleep or we're in the stage of the deepest sleep, usually in that 10, 11 p.m. 
time frame. So if you're going to bed at 12 at 1, you're probably not getting as deep sleep. And this has a huge, huge impact on heart rate variability. There are some things you can do if this is your jam, like cold exposure. So that could be a 30-second cold shower at the end of your regular shower or at the start of it, or cold plunging might be an option at a gym near you. There's all sorts of new companies out there now that help you do cold plunges at home in a barrel, in a tub. There's a million different options because we're really coming into an age where the research on cold therapy and all the benefits of it are super clear. And one of them is that it increases heart rate variability. Nutrition. Ditch the processed foods, ditch the sugar, but also don't eat late at night. Whenever possible, try not to eat between three and four hours of bedtime. It's really good for your overall health increases your heart rate variability. And then working out, but working out intelligently. And what I mean by this is making sure that you have adequate recovery in there. Now, recovery doesn't mean that you take three days off after a workout, but it means that you're making sure that, you know, if you're sore, you're doing foam rolling, you're doing mobility, you're eating enough after a workout, you're hydrating well during and after a workout, but certainly working out regularly. So not, not hard things to do overall and things that, of course, have a ton of other benefits. But remember that heart rate variability is a reflection of what's going on with our nervous system. And that matters. That absolutely matters for, for longevity, for performance, how equipped you are to take on the normal challenges of a day. So... I don't have any connection at all to the company Whoop, other than that I'm a paying customer. Uh, it's not cheap, but I'm sure there are cheaper ways. You can just Google ways to monitor heart rate variability, and I'm sure that there are products out there that are less expensive, but my experience is with Whoop. And I'm really just looking at the trend. I don't get super hung up on, you know, the day-to-day -day numbers. What I'm looking at is over a trend of three months, over a trend of six months, over a trend of a year, am I seeing movement in the right direction? And it's also a really great way to keep myself in check on the day-to-day -day because I know that if I go and have a bowl of ice cream, that that's going to that's gonna have an impact. If I have a day where I eat garbage all day long, I'm going to expect to see some pretty tanked numbers the next day. And for those of us that like to kind of gamify things or have data in front of us, and I'm, I'm both of those things, it's just a cool way to, to keep an eye on it. So I'm going to be watching it over time. I wanted to put some information out there because heart rate variability can be a, a trickier thing to understand. And so hopefully we kind of broke that down. It's looking at the intervals between the beats of your heart. And that is a reflection, not just of heart rate, but it is a reflection of the nervous system. Specifically, are the parasympathetic and the sympathetic branches of the nervous system balanced? And is your heart responding appropriately to both? Are both able to send messages the way that they need to to your body for the sake of operations. If you've got questions about this, let me know. I've really been geeking out on it for the last several months, 
and I was pumped to share it with you. So let me know what you think of this, if it's something you're going to check out, or if it's something you've already been monitoring and what you've noticed for yourself. Make it a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time.